appreciate and manage your account on my MTN app. Call 0244-308-111 for more information. We are good together everywhere you go. Live on Joy 99.7 FM, this is the Midday News. The Midday News is also live on Love 99.5 FM in Kumasi Affiliate. Across Ghana's 16 regions, we are on Radio Max in Takrade, Bwipe FM in Bwipe, Pad FM in Dalmango, Volta Premier in Ho, and Kalia FM in Akachi. We are on Twitter Spaces, we are on Facebook, and the Midday News is proudly sponsored by Duraplus Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC pipes, HDP pipes, and water tank. Where Duraplus goes, water flows. This afternoon, potential shortfall in electricity supply as West African gas pipeline company suspends natural gas transportation services to GNPC over a 13 million dollar debt. We have details for you. Also, the electricity company of Ghana starts another debt recovery drive Operation Zero targeted at domestic customers as it plans to capture over 2 million new customers by September 2023. We have a deficit of at least 2 million customers using power, which is quite problematic. Also, this afternoon, another death in the building collapse incident at Kaswa with three others in critical condition. She has been sent to the hospital. But at this moment, uh, looking at her, we can't confirm whether she's alive or not. We'll take you live to the ground at understaffed and poorly resourced office of the special prosecutor. Yet, the entity says, despite the constraints, it is up to the fight against corruption. So we are leaving no stones unturned. Our gloves are off. And we are coming against everyone and every person who we think should be dragged in before us. We have sports. A high-ranking member of parliament suggests to GPR clubs the way to seek financial support from government. Plus... Manchester United have announced their first signing of the summer. We have details of that and also Syria Hospital in the Ashanti region remains abundant in spite of assurances while residents in need of healthcare beg for construction of the access road. That one is also being given. The contract has been given out. It's been done. Syria is practically completed. We also have National Science and Masquerade and Presec League on Leaves Accra Academy and two others in a trail of dust as it sweeps the NSMQ Regional Championship for the fourth time in a row. That's and more in this afternoon's edition of the Midday News. I am MFA Apau and this is your home of independent, fearless and credible journalism. You ought to stay for details, please. Many thanks for your company. Let's start off uh, with this incident or this um, information that joining is learning that the West African Gas Pipeline Company Limited, WAPCO, has suspended natural gas transportation services to the Ghana National Petroleum Corporation, GNPC, over a $13 million debt. WAPCO, according to joining sources, suspended the services on July 1 after a series of negotiations between the two entities over debt arrears, although the GNPC made one 
$1.246 million payment last week. My colleague on the Energy Desk, James Aveji, joins me in studio with more on this uh, developing story. James, what are we learning exactly? So, Mafa, Wapko, who is responsible for transporting natural gas from Nigeria to several other African uh, countries in a letter dated June 27 to the GMPC, cited the payment arrears as the primary reason for the interruption. Now, what this means is that the GMPC will not be allowed to uh, flow any gas, including the 60,000 thermal units per day they used to do mainly from Takradi to Tema. Now, the sudden halt in gas supply to GMPC is raising uh, uh, alarm bells among industry experts because, as we know, the country's uh, energy generation mix usually relies on natural gas and thermal uh, for electricity production, with the GMPC playing a very crucial role in this. Uh, this suspension, actually, is also threatening uh, the, the disruption of uh, the nation's energy stability and potentially leading to power shortages. There is also the fear among citizens over a possible return to frequent power outages experienced mm. in the past. Uh, however, other experts are hopeful that a resolution can be reached promptly given the significance of the issue for both uh, uh, WAPCO and the GMPC. Okay, and I know your desk is working frantically on this to bring us more on this uh, developing story. Now, the Finance Minister and the Attorney General this morning started engagement with the independent power producers to address the $2 billion energy sector debt. The IPPs alone are owed over $1.7 billion of this particular debt. And yes, the CEO of the Chamber of Independent Power Producers, Eli Plim Apetobo. We should take a critical look at the revenue leakages in ECG's activities. I'm happy that they have embarked on revenue mobilization, audit of the system, which is yielding results. It needs to be intensified to close that particular gap. We, the generators, will be metering them or be invoicing him based on what has left our point of evacuation. But eventually they receive less than what actually was transmitted. That gap needs to be seriously investigated. And closing that gap, I believe all this issue of blaming contracts, uh, blaming take or pay contracts, we realize that it's totally irrelevant. Well, the managing director of the electricity company of Ghana, Samuel Dubik Mahama, shows that measures are in place to prevent future threats from IPPs. Confidently, I can say that, honestly, honorable, we have to work together. Because from all of these conversations, what I have realized is that there are so many disjoints in the same issue that we are all trying to fill. Mr. Steve Mantial said it. The amount of jobs that we are doing and that work we are putting in ECG, that gap would be closed. But in the interim, we have to carry everybody along. So, Honorable, as I keep saying, first of all, I would like to apologize for what the outburst that happened between myself and him. He's my elder oh, it's brother. Right. It yeah, he's, he's my elder brother, so we'll, right. we'll, deal, we'll deal with it at home. Yeah. But at the, end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, we have to work together. Yeah. It's, it is a national issue, and we need to find a solution. And I'm glad he says the policymaker will fix that. Yeah. So for me, I'm a technocrat. I'll do what I have to do. Close but, but I have your word that this is the last time Eric Plim and IPPs will threaten the shutdown. I, you have my word on that. Okay. 
That's the interaction on PM Express with Evans Mensah. That's the ECG Managing Director, Samuel Dubik Mahama. In a related development, though, the company has started another revenue mobilization drive, dubbed Operation Zero, targeted at mopping up revenue from domestic customers. The two-month exercise, which begins on Monday, July 11, will comprise the deployment of staff to collect debt, check for illegal connections, and meter installations for new customers. The ECG recently collected 3.1 billion CDs in a similar exercise two months ago. Here's the external communications manager for ECG, Leila Bubakar. We are using this opportunity to run about different, uh, three different operations in one. The first one, obviously, is the revenue mobilization, which I believe everyone knows about because we did this in March and April, which was a massive success. And it's actually led to more people paying their bills on time. Like we've always said, we don't have so much of a problem with those who are on prepaid. It's those who are on postpaid and special low tariffs we were after. And now uh, we get a lot of... Uh, revenue coming in on time however it's still not enough um, we've been able to procure some meters we've gone into agreements with meters uh, meter companies in Ghana and they have started a loss reduction project we don't have a monetary target but we do know that we have a deficit of at least 2 million customers on this culture in the system that are using power which is quite problematic because if you are going to make an estimation of how much these people are consuming and us not getting money it could go a long way to alleviate some of the situations that ECG finds itself in that's Leila Abubakar. She's the external communications manager for the electricity company of Ghana. Away from ECG, let's now focus on the office of the special prosecutor because it is understaffed and poorly resourced. But the entity maintains that in spite of the constraints, it is up to the fight against corruption. The office has in the half year release on its performances, insufficient funding is impeding its mandate. So far, the office is investigating over 150 cases with fewer than the required investigators while senior managers staff are yet to be provided with the established conditions of service. My colleague Elton Brobe has been digging and he joins me in studio with more on what we are learning. Let's start with the financial resources Elton of the Office of the Special Prosecutor. What does it look like? So Rafa, according to information we are picking from the office, uh, 2021 for example, they made a request of over a billion Ghana cities mm. to run the office. Now the allocation to the office was less than 10 percent of what they had they had presented to the finance minister mm. as far as releases is concerned that's another matter altogether mm-hmm. so they are not getting the required finances to carry through now the osp in its own communication updating on what is done so far concludes now let me quote here the office continues to operate without an establishment budget the, nevertheless, the office has proven that with sufficient funding, it is best placed to prevent and reduce the menace of corruption and corruption-related activities. We continue to emphasize the need for the state to pay particular attention to the funding needs of the office. It is our collective interest to build a resilient, independent, and technologically advanced office of the special prosecutor to stay ahead of and effectively repress corruption and corruption-related actors. So this is the conclusion of the OSBNS uh, latest report to the state and quite clearly the matter of funding is a concern to the OSP because one billion uh, they were given less than 10 percent and the release is not even coming let's let's listen to the OSP when he had that interaction with something like that on this particular matter and so we are leaving no stones unturned our gloves are off 
and we are coming against everyone and every person who we think should be dragged in before us. Every person. Are we ready to fight corruption? The public is also interested. Is your office equipped to do this job? See, these are policy considerations. I, I'm not. I'm not to answer. I'm not to answer these questions. But in respect of the uh, uh, resources of the office and funding of the office, it's 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 a work in progress, mind you. We 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 are we are a young institution, and so we keep building every day. We keep we, we keep building the institution, and you know I keep telling my I keep telling my my, my directors and other senior officers that I wish I I became special prosecutor after this term. Mm. Do you get me? I wish I had become special prosecutor after the expiration of this present term. Because the one who becomes special prosecutor after me, he will not have teething problems. I have teething problems, but he will not. By the time he comes, there will be uh, more established processes and all. Are we ready to fight corruption? If we are ready to fight corruption, can we allow the institution that has been set up to fight corruption to fight corruption? Let's talk about recruitment then. So, MFO, what we are told by the sources at the office that parliament directed them to recruit 499, 249 employees to start mm. with. Now, as we speak, they have only 10. Mm. And the 10 includes three investigators. So, mm. the workload is that huge. And that's why the, the claim is that they've been able to do uh, what their mandate uh, you know, enjoins them mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. Now, to the extent that, according to information we are picking last week, they were even threatened by Ghana Water Company to cut <laughs> water supply to the premises because of non-payment of so many bills submitted to them. So then, it leaves us with a question about their conditions of service and these ten um, people that are working there. Are they even receiving salaries at all? So we are told that uh, most of the directors are at the level of a commissioner of police, mm -hmm. and we know if you're a commissioner yes, of police there, the condition of service that you should enjoy including uh, fully furnished government bungalow mm -hmm. they are here to be provided with such salary is still an issue the prompt payment of it is still an issue and other benefits that should come with their office but despite that what they, they are saying that they are still working mm. well in spite of that um, in the half year report a number of cases have been mentioned 150 of them that is being worked on anti-corruption campaigner Edem Senanu says the office of the special prosecutor should have been forthright in pronouncing directives on the three concluded cases according to him the absence of a definite timeline on when prosecution starts leaves room for public conjecture into the effective prosecution of these cases I, I think that the report probably should have been more precise in indicating that uh, we will be making a statement and giving indication of what our position is on the matter with directives whether there's going to be prosecution within the next three weeks I think that that's important not to leave Ghanaians speculating about what exactly have the findings on those three cases. Uh, so they record that the Dubuahin one has been finished, the Charles B.C. one has been finished, and I think the one about people attempting to influence was the parliamentarians. Those three have been conclusively dealt with and they have. Well, that's the, the situation. That's the anti-corruption campaigner, Edem Senanu. Now, the death toll in the building collapse incident in Kaswa in the central region has risen to two. The second victim, an elderly woman, died last night in the hospital after she was retrieved from the rubble by five men or firemen from the municipality. Three others have sustained varying degrees of injuries and are in critical care. According to eyewitnesses, the incident happened yesterday when the building with structural defects suddenly gave way, crumbling 
on five persons, killing one instantly. We can hear an earlier interview with the Kaswa Municipal Fire Service boss, DO3 Marcel Avedu. Rescued four. We have been sent to hospital. Finally, we are to seek the help of an excavator to be able to clear the debris to be able to rescue the final person who is an elderly woman. Uh, she has been sent to the hospital, but at this moment, uh, looking at her, we can't confirm whether she's alive or not, but she's in a critical condition. Well, so that was an earlier update that DO3 Marcel Avedu gave us. Thankfully, he joins us live with the very latest on this incident. Um, you've been investigating. Can you bring us up to speed on what the situation really is now? Hello, Mr. Avedu. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much once again for your time. I'm asking about the latest on this particular building collapse in Kaswa. Uh, currently, as Elias said, we can confirm that... Uh, Two people are dead, and three are in the hospital and responding to treatment. This morning, I, I was at the hospital that is really bad trauma hospital to have a word with them. Uh, one of the nurses and two of the children, they are in the hospital and responding to treatment. Okay, so I can safely say that they are out of critical condition from what you've seen. Okay. Well, we thank God to hear that. But really, um, from your preliminary findings, what really led to this particular collapse of the building? Uh, from our side, if you look at the ground where the building is located, you notice that uh, it's a waterlogged area. And uh, so I think that obviously may have an effect to that as well. But to whether the right materials have been used, I think the engineers will be able to assist us to confirm whether there was a shoddy work done or not. But uh, the grounds on the floor, the floor with the burden uh, is on. Um, Mm. Clear view, you see that doesn't look compact enough. The way that even our cars were stuck trying to get there uh, with a little rain that came, the place wasn't look good at all. Okay, and we can also safely say that there's no one trapped in the rubble. No, no, no. Okay. We're grateful. That's a DO3, Marcel Avedu. There is a, in charge of the Kaswa Municipal Fire Service. And uh, we're checking on that situation and bringing you more. There's also more on myjournaline.com in this particular uh, incident. Now, motorists who use the 5.9-kilometer long Pidjiasi to Aimen's abound of the Accra Ibri Road have been describing the current state of the stretch as a death trap due to the incessant nature with which stones and debris are being washed onto the road. There's morning motorists were greeted with a substantial amount of sand and stones on the road obstructing movement of vehicles on the on that particular stretch reducing the two lane into a single one and my colleague uh, Carlos Caloni has been on the ground all morning uh, for us and joins me uh, on the line with details on what we are learning Carlos uh, bring us up to speed on the situation you've been there all morning what's the picture all right, so I'm currently at a spot where I can see uh, a substantial amount of stones, including sand, which have been washed onto the road. Now, this particular portion of the road is a curve, and so drivers descending from the top of the hill 
uh, who actually are using the outer lane are forced to veer onto the inner lane because of the stones and the sand uh, which are actually on the stretch now. Now, the drain is actually choked. And so, rush water from uphill is actually all over the road. And so, drivers who get to this particular portion of the road are being forced to equally slow and then move through. So, that is the situation here on the uh, Pediasi to Ayimensan stretch of the road. We can hear your interaction with some of the drivers. I have yes. so many times. It is a major source of concern to us. I applied this road for years. Initially, it was only water dripping from the mountain, but now both water and patches of rocks pose serious danger because you can't see your way clearly. I believe that the construction of houses on the mountain is causing the challenge. This is a major accident waiting to happen if nothing is done to fix it. We are only praying that the appropriate authorities will immediately take action because the net covering it doesn't solve the issue. Well, uh, that's some drivers there interacting with my colleague Carlos Canoni reporting from the Ayimensa to Pediasi stretch where some part of the Abri Mountains rocks are falling onto the road, hindering vehicular movement. Thankfully, we've been joined on the phone by the Greater Accra Regional Director of the Ghana Highway Authority, Engineer Emmanuel Odai. We are grateful for your time. I'm sure this particular incident or the latest incident has been brought to the attention of the Highway Authority. Are there any interim measures that have been taking? Hello, Engineer Odai. Yes. I'm asking if this particular incident at the Pediasi stretch, we are told that some substantial amount of rocks and sand have come back onto the street. Some time ago, we put in some measures. This latest incident, has it come to your attention? And what are we doing about it? Yes. Um, yeah, thank you very much. And then uh, just this morning, I had a distress call as you have mentioned. And so quickly, I called the global maintenance at the Susan for them to clear the debris there. Um, so that is the intervention of the applicants. Ms. Odai, I beg your pardon if you're using a speaker or anything, if you can come close to your microphone a bit so we can have a clearer connection to you. You're saying that some interim measures have been put in place. What exactly are they? Hello. Well, I can hear you loud and clear now, much better. So tell us about the interim measures you're talking about. Yeah, I'm saying that uh, we have a maintenance, a mobile maintenance unit that I have called as an immediate intervention for them to come and clear the, the, the debris. They are stationed at uh, Suhum, so they are organizing themselves to come to the site. But really, can you tell us if there's a long-term solution to this particular challenge? We are there almost every time when this incident occurs. Are there any interim measures or long-term measures or solutions to this? Because it looks like the mesh is not working. Yeah, um, for every um, uh, engineering intervention, we always have um, things that can easily destroy it. Let's say if you build a house and then you bring a bulldozer across it, the house will definitely come down. We, looking at the top, you see mass, very massive uh, development going on there. And then if you look at the type of um, rock that 
the the the, the from the hill. I mean, the hill, the, the type of uh, material that is made of. Um, once it's soaked and gets uh, saturated, it will move. And that's exactly what is happening. They have exposed the whole top, the whole uh, surface mm-hmm. to direct water. But are we not and concerned, uh, Engineer Nain, that this could be a disaster waiting to happen? Yes, and that is why I'm saying that we have to tackle the, the, the main source, which is the assembly. They are looking on, we have given them the, 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 the signals over the years that look, don't allow people to build on the hill. If they build, they should go a bit further from the, 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 the front where we have the road. Mm. But look at it today. And so let's rather see the assembly and then do the, the needful. Okay. Well, Otherwise, we have very little to offer. Okay. We're grateful uh, for your time. That's uh, engineer Emmanuel Odai. He's a Greater Accra Regional Director of the Ghana Highways Authority. And my colleague uh, on the ground, Carlos Caloni, will definitely check on the assembly for this. We'll bring you more subsequently. This is the Midday News here on Joy 99.7 FM here in Accra. In Kumasi, we're on Love 99.5 FM. The Midday News is sponsored by Dura Plus Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC pipes, HDPE pipes, and water tank. Where Dura Plus goes, water flows. We've been talking about the potential shortfall in electricity supply as the West African Gas Pipeline Company suspends natural gas transportation services to GNPC over a $13 million debt. We've been to the mountains uh, where we're told some substantial amount of rocks and sand have poured back onto the streets. And then also in sport, we'll bring you more. And then Syria Hospital in the Ashanti region remains abundant in spite of assurances while residents in need of healthcare beg for construction of access road. That one is also being given. The contract has been given out, it's being done. Usawiya is practically completed. Imagine say water wake up at dawn. You know both. You know chop. Where it vanished for your area for two weeks. Uh-huh. You not get one drop safe inside your tank. Hey. Our life was in dangerous. Only our neighbor gets water with water tank. Water, water tank? Yes, water tank. Mamma mia, that water tank gets meter for checking water level. That water tank be fine past Kumasi Selenium. <laughs> that water tank be tough like Ghana Army. That water tank, they carry water, pepe, pepe. So say some logo left inside the supply tank. Mm. What a tank! That's my boss, Mr. Foncho Gutor. <laughs> Beautiful, durable, with water level indicator and accurate volume of water. Water tank. What a tank by Duraplast. Thanks for staying with us. Time for sports, Mark. Thank you very much, MFA. Now, you know, clubs usually on the local scene, when they are set to participate in the CAF Champions League and CAF Confederations Cup, they tend to seek support from government. And now, ranking member on Parliament, Youth, Sports and Culture Committee, Corbina Wyoming, has made it clear that they have to be transparent in their dealings if they are to attain government support. Business, football, must always move in tandem. And so there's the need for the club owners to also be out there and talk about their clubs and the successes and open up and be quite transparent in terms of what comes in and how they are spent. Because that really is a challenge. And I hear a lot of them complaining bitterly this time around, knowing that it's an way affecting the performance of those clubs. Calling on government for support is good, but they might not get everything they want from government.
Mr. Kwamina Oemi. Back to you, MFA. Thank you very much, Mubarak. Let me take you to the Ashanti region. In a year after construction of the Syria Regional Hospital, residents remain uncertain when the facility will be put to use. Joint news checks indicate deplorable roads leading to the hospital, though a presidential advisor on health, Dr. Anthony Nsiasari, has assured the road has been awarded on contract. Well, Anaya Ojima has more in the following report. Health Minister Kweku Ajiman Menu during a visit to the facility noted the challenges with power and road have delayed the opening of the facility. The inside the hospital road is part of the contract. But from Sewa town, or from the major road to this place, is supposed to be done by government. Here is virtually completed. All the equipments are in place. They are not bringing in any new thing. Presidential Advisor on Health, Dr. Anthony Insiasari, speaking on the probe on Joy News, indicated the power supply has been installed with some work being done on the roads. That one is also being given. The contract has been given out is being done. Usawiya is practically completed. Love FM's visit to the hospital using the Prabon Sewa route indicates the road is in a poor shape, dusty and bumpy. Motorists have to navigate their way through the gaping potholes with tact. The widening potholes pose danger to road users. For about four years now, the road has remained poor. They usually come to grade the road and leave it. The road to the hospital is worse. Some residents there interacting with my colleague Nanaya Ojima on the Syria government hospital. Well, let's head to parliament now and traditional leaders and some clergy members have taken their seat in the public gallery of parliament to lend their support to sponsors of the controversial LGBTQ bill. The bill is set to be taken through its second reading despite legal challenges. Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kwekwa Santi joins us. Has anything changed? Nothing has changed. The bill has now been taken for a second reading. The chairman of the committee is presenting the report of the committee, which is recommending the approval of the bill. The speaker, however, says there's some development. The minority leader, Elion, had insisted that the bill should be taken through all the processes and passed today. But the speaker says there may be some challenges that would not allow for that to be done. On this matter, but there been some developments which may not permit us to go through the bill today. But we'll go to the item, which is item 18, and then I can take the opportunity to inform you of the development. So that's the, the situation in Parliament, and my colleague Kwekwasan will be monitoring that to bring us more. We know that the LGBTQ bill currently in Parliament has been hit with up to three 